0: Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the American Rescue Plan. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show.
0: All right. Oh boy. Okay. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm All right. Ready. Let's All make right. a podcast. Let's do it. Um, okay, today's episode, we're gonna be talking about the American Rescue Plan. Uh, if you have received a stimulus check, yeah. uh personally, that's part of that. But there's also a lot of these, um, a lot of the funding is going towards municipalities. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna dive into uh kind of some history and background. Of uh, previous, how did you word it? Fiscal
2: recovery funds. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah, that's yeah, beautiful. Buddy. That is the Yoda of all things government, Fred Olfen. Hey everybody. And I've also got Sam Tutin of Sixmo City Services.
3: What's going on?
0: All right. So the American Rescue Plan. Uh the, when was this signed into
2: effect? March uh March sixth. Of- uh, Senate passed it, so the president signed it the next day. Shortly, yeah. there Shortly thereafter. okay, yeah. Right there.
0: All right, so first and foremost, let's kind of lay the, the backdrop of fiscal recovery plans, like in general. Yep. In recent memory, let's not go back too far, but uh, since, say, 2000, w- what, what are things that might be, that people can harken back to?
2: You don't want my lecture on the New Deal works the <laughs> public works program <laughs> no, let's let's keep Some different it crap. episode yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right fine
3: good call on the year it's cut off yeah <laughs>
2: thanks jared you ruined my fun um so there have been uh since really since 2000 really since 2008 there have been four economic recovery packages that have been passed by the united states legislature Two thousand and eight, under President Bush, there was a what was called the you know kind of the initial stimulus plan, which was mostly um, tax rebates and other kind of tax incentives for taxpayers. as As we were beginning to encounter some economic troubles, two thousand and nine, uh, and most people listening will probably remember this. I'm certainly, I mean, these guys are pups compared to me, listeners. Just so you know, I'm old. Um, but two thousand and nine, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act was was passed um, shortly after President Obama took office. And it was in, in response, but really in the lead up to the Great Recession uh, of 2008, 9, 10. And that was a package of about $831 billion. And as I remember it, and it's different. So we're also going to talk here about the CARES Act. And obviously, we're going to talk about the American Rescue Plan. But this this was a little different. And my initial comment on how it was different was... It was billions of dollars, but that funding went to agencies. It did not go to communities. It didn't go to counties. It didn't go to municipalities. It didn't go to villages. It went to agencies. So, for example, departments of transportation got billions of dollars to do transportation projects. Fun fact, Jared, can you name the biggest recovery project in Ohio that took place at that time? I I promise you've driven on it.
0: Well, I was going to say... um the one in Cincinnati,
2: nope.
0: um, the, the bridge that was going across. Mm. Is, I know that's it, a big
2: one.
1: It is not that one. It's close to, it's close to home.
2: Is it Corridor D? The Nelsonville Bypass oh. was the biggest recovery project in Ohio, oh. I believe, at the time. I've driven on that. Well, that was the project, and I won't detour into that. Huh, good use of the word Ooh, detour. I won't go. detour into it. Uh, that yet. project was literally on the, on the books for decades and when the the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act came along, that was one of the projects that was funded through that program. Yeah. But the point was um, that that program brought us the idea of we need to have shovel-ready projects. Yeah. And so um, I remember spending days, if not weeks... Uh, populating projects into spreadsheets and submitting them to various agencies and into website portals. And it felt like it just went into a black box. So it was a very different type of program. Um, my opinion was that our com- our rural communities, at least in Southeastern Ohio at that moment, we didn't have a lot of shovel ready projects that were ready for that type of funding. So the Nelsonville bypass was a great example. That one had been waiting for a long time. Yeah. So um, just my opinion was we didn't have a lot of those projects on the shelf waiting. Um, but this was also the first time we saw like the discussion of stimulus payments coming around in kind of the, the lexicon of our um, discussions. Yeah. Uh, and there was also a lot of a lot of other tax credits that came into this program as well. And um, that the fact that and I'll go back to that, and I'll close on the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act was that it didn't go to local governments the way that the CARES Act and the American Rescue plan are. Okay. So then we move forward. Uh, Last year, um, as the coronavirus pandemic took hold in the the country, we passed the CARES Act, which provided funding to local governments to pay for direct impacts of COVID. So think about overtime for first responders and other kind of supplies and things that you would need to respond to the coronavirus, as well as direct payments to citizens through the stimulus. So that was the first one that I can really remember where, Individual funds were targeted to states, counties, and communities. Yeah, um, the American Rescue Plan is is very similar. Um, the main difference in the American Rescue Plan, and I know we're going to talk a lot more about it, is that um, you can use it for revenue replacement. You could not do that with the CARES Act. Uh, there is also a directive in there to use it uh, specific, to use funds specifically for water wastewater and broadband infrastructure projects so that was a little different than cares but the idea is Mm. still the same the 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 federal treasury basically allocates those funds to states states then allocate those funds down to counties and municipalities in the cares act um counties townships and cities and villages had to pass a little resolution that said well we want the funds we will utilize them they had Mm. to submit that to uh the state and then they were able to access the funds. Now there were some communities that never, that never accessed their CARES money at all. And that was their choice. They didn't have to, but, um, I, I'm not sure if you'll have that, that I, if there will be that, like, you have to pass something to get it this time. I'm not reading that Mm -hmm. in any of the stuff. I do know that, um, I believe that it has to be within 60 days of enactment. States have to get the money from the federal. And then states have 30 days to get it to the counties. And then they can have up to two additional 30-day periods to distribute it down to the lower levels of government. So that's kind of the overall general question of how it works. I know, Sam, maybe you can give me the name. We, the reason we're doing this yes. is we got feedback from a listener we did. who asked, how, do we, how, do, how does the money come down from those big recovery programs? Yes. Maybe you
3: can... A big, big shout-out to John Schilling. He gave us a, an email at support hmm. at mytownhustle dot com, uh, basically asking pretty much everything that Brad's kind of mentioned. Uh, more importantly, how the money gets distributed down. I think it's important too that we know kind of all of it, obviously in de- detail, what local governments can do. Yep. And we have a breakdown of like what states and counties have gotten in Ohio or are going to get. Yeah. Um, and then obviously about the two thousand eight. So he's obviously well informed of of that package back in the day, and. Even, Back in the day. and even shed light on it you know that he it was um you know slow in some areas um to help out and i think probably we've hit that key point yeah uh, that it didn't at all go to local governments um or yeah. communities so uh thank you john and to all people out there who uh, sent us good emails thank and sent us you, more questions you. we got we have some that we want to do uh from other other requests so we'll make sure we get to that but i think you're seeing Kind of as, in my opinion, these last this last year and these last packages go, uh, kind of people getting more involved to understand where this money is going to. Sure. And to then just, you know, think, well, it would be nice if, or you hear, oh, they've gotten this money, and, you know, and you're kind of tracking. I know I'm doing that internally here to see what's being spent uh, from the last year for at least local businesses and local local residents uh, for help and aid. Uh, but uh, I think people are, be- I think this is a great question because I think people are, are really just find, find, paying attention to that more and more. Yeah, and
0: i like the the drawback. I have no idea if this is the, you said John Schilling. I grew up with a John Schilling. No <laughs> idea if it's the same one. If it is, uh, good to hear from you, buddy. Up, if John? it's not, yeah. hey, uh, still <laughs> thanks for <laughs> just, the question. But yeah. um, I like the idea of, of looking back and I'm glad you shed light on that to 2009 because I think at least on the surface, it points to some of the disparity between more rural communities that don't have, it's not that we don't have projects we need done. It's for them to be shovel ready and, all you know, we've already planned this out, you know, we're just waiting on the money, Yeah, sure. you know? Uh, and what that taught us is if you want to get, to the top of the line, you got to have your ducks in a row, mm-hmm. um, which I think is what you were, you were pointing to. Yeah, and
2: part of the challenge of why I don't think communities were ready in 2009 was, think about this. To me, a shovel-ready project means you've got your preliminary engineering, design, all that stuff done. Most communities, if they don't have a grant that's going to fund that and the construction, they really can't do it. So I don't know too many communities out there in southeastern Ohio that can afford to do the preliminary engineering, generate a cost estimate, uh, you know, do all that initial work that goes into getting a project scoped up, and then just sit on it. Yeah. Not, so, not, not, not,
0: not rural micropolitan Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
2: Larger, yes, major 100. metropolitan yes, communities. Yes, Certainly yes, they have
0: yep. the capacity and yep. bandwidth and technical expertise to go yep. do those things. And that's,
2: and that's why I'm just clarifying the why I don't think. Rural Appalachian communities got a
3: lot of those projects.
2: That, that's mm-hmm. clarification for that. But yeah. yes, absolutely. Other communities do that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yep, right. Well, and I, could, I think in timeline too, you mentioned Nelsonville. I think that was, I know it was completed in 2013, mm-hmm. but when I was, I went to college between 2007 and, and 2011. And I drove that from Columbus to Athens during that time Lucky to you. visit my yeah. now what, you know, girlfriend at the time, but now my wife. And yeah. Always had to drive through Nelsonville. And I don't, I think it was toward the tail end of my undergrad where they were kind of doing things. But if that really went through in 2000, like 2009, and it was done in 2013, that's four, I mean, that was four years to do that. And they've had to have some preliminary stuff already oh, done for sure. to get it done in that amount of time. So I think that just speaks to that. I mean, I could be wrong, but that, I mean, they, they did that in no time.
2: That was the millions of cubic yards of dirt, like a lot.
3: seven miles or
2: something like that, literally it's a short over trip. over a mountain, Yeah. <laughs> rather than going through the center of a town, which was a tremendous bottleneck. Anybody that's listening that is old enough to remember driving through Nelsonville, if you had to, our, the president of the regional council was in Logan and I was always the one that had to go get things signed <laughs> before the bypass. I was just. Chilling there in Nelsonville delight for, <laughs> for an hour, waiting a hundred times to go through. So yes. it was good. Another thing about the rescue plan, and I think these are critical things, is the deadline for spending the money is not until 20, the end of 2024, which was a big one. If you'll remember Indeed. when the CARES Act passed, at least in my eye, communities were scrambling to figure out how are we going to spend this money in a year? I remember at the end of last year, uh, communities still hadn't expended it and were really working to, not not wastefully, but they were really working to make sure they had covered all their bases and, and addressed all the things they needed to. So having the longer window of performance I think is gonna be awesome flexibility for communities to get the maximum benefit from these
3: funds, which Absolutely. will be good. Yeah. I'm excited for that. because yeah, it was it was even a year, I don't think, with the CARES. I think by the time that came out to it was the in, it was. It passed end, in March. I
2: think March twenty twenty it passed and then it was December. 2020 you know we were wrapping it up and it was actually a little bit before that because final reporting was due at the end of the year so you had to have expenditures weeks before that so it was exciting yes
0: yes. all right so what uh sam what what can you spend this money on that a community let's let's talk about what we can spend it on and then maybe how the calculation works to determine what each community might get
3: yeah um, so it's somewhat the same as the cares, um, in regards to that you should use the money to respond to the emergency, um, on like negative economic impacts, um,
0: uh, either. So you get like added costs for, like Brett was saying for, you know, uh, hazard pay hazard. or, um, yeah. EMS, you know, whatever, yeah. fire, police,
3: fire, police, um, I guess yeah for your your workers that were performing kind of that work during that, um, and then also at the same time in terms of the economic impact, which would be for assistance to households, small businesses, nonprofits, et cetera, um, tourism, travel, what hospitality, all those all those would fall in line with there. Of course, you have to prove or at least show documentation, you know, that it was from the COVID nineteen pandemic. Right. Um, another provision. Is, um, for government services to the extent of reduction in revenue. So this is for loss. Actually, I think for the first time, lost revenue, um, that cities can can use the funds for, um, which I imagine the reporting, um, which you probably just have to reflect back. Let's say on your income tax or your so your, your tax your tax base if it's down or your I'm revenue. not positive
0: how this this one um this one works. I know on the private side. Uh, for the second round of PPP, you had to prove that twenty your income fell in a single quarter by twenty five percent compared to twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um. So my guess is it's going to be something similar to that. I don't know if you guys know that off offhand, but just to just to to get some. To use it for revenue yeah. replacement, I yeah. do
2: know that I don't know about the, the lo- illustrating the loss of revenue. I do know that the amount you receive in the American Rescue Plan can't be more than seventy five percent of your enacted budget as of January twenty twenty one. So, for example, if you're if Sam Samville USA has a total budget mm. of five million dollars. But the allocation sheet that you have of funds that you can get through the through the formula says you could get twelve million dollars. You can't get twelve million dollars. Yeah, you can get seventy five percent of five oh, no. million, okay. maximum. Makes sense. So. Yeah, so that's you know got to make got to
3: make it confusing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, what, it's not confusing. That's why what we're that here yeah. um, and All right, we'll, sorry, we'll, I we'll, sidetracked you. What what fine. else can you spend it on? We'll we'll make sure the show notes have all the all the information to find that. Um, and then we have the last category, which is to make necessary improvements to water, sewer, or broadband infrastructure.
1: Oh,
3: so that's good. I think in terms of rural, small town, probably pretty ready projects sure. are going to fall under that category. Now, Brett and I have talked off Mike about how we think the funds would be better used elsewhere. Knows. Is this my cue? This is your cue. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: well, what we were talking about, listeners, was you know, Sam and I have worked in the public sphere a long time and obviously have a lot of experience applying for and administering grants of all types, a lot of it for public infrastructure. Our commentary was: if I was a community and I suddenly had 10 million dollars.
0: That's a nice number. That's a
2: nice number. It might yeah. it might be relevant to some of you that are listening. <laughs> If I suddenly had $10 million, um, I might be hesitant to just spend it on a a new water extension or a new sewer extension or something like that. And here's why. There are public grant and loan funds for water and sewer available all the time. Like there have always been, there will probably always be. So continue to utilize those funds. Maybe use some of these funds as a match to do one of those projects. But I would target those things that you can't get funding for or much more difficult to get funding for. For example, yeah. if your community really is lacking outdoor recreation or something like that, and you know, there's very little public funding out there for that outside of CDBG allocation, which is a little amounts of money, but yeah. really there's no other funding for that. I might argue fund those things that you really want or need that are high impact that are very, very difficult to fund through any other source. Yeah. And then continue to use the funds that are going to continue to be out there for your traditional water sewer whatever. Now maybe you don't have to chase the second grant for match. So now you can leverage multiple projects out of your allocation. Um, I would just be hesitant to just jump out there and do a big project. Plus, when you do one of those big projects, you know, you're encumbering future expense and future debt. Yeah. Yes, we can afford to construct it for sure. Mm. Can we afford to maintain it? forever in the future yeah. without future American recovery and rescue plans in mm-hmm. the future, you know? So I would just mm. think about all those things.
3: Yeah. To me, uh, it's like winning the dream home on HGTV <laughs> and not being able to afford it. Like after that. Yeah. Right. It's like, it'd be nice. It's ideal. It's big. You're wide eyed. Like, Oh, I love that. That's I got that. I won that. Wait, That's man, I got to pay taxes on
0: this thing. Yeah, what?
3: <laughs> yeah. So, if we could take a step back from all that, like Brett's mentioning, and trying to figure out better ways to utilize the funds. I mean, just in the first column for tourism, small businesses, and your nonprofits and everything like that. Just think of
0: how many So you could g- funnel mon- money to, say, a Main
3: Street program or yeah. something like that. Who is reliant on, on events, uh, people being out, people coming to who, your community. Who literally
0: champion the small businesses who were impacted most by...
3: Covid nineteen, while Fair. Walmart and everybody else stayed open. Yeah, yeah, okay. Or y- mm. any other, you know, smaller community or organization. <laughs> it's too late in the day for me to put. Can a you feel on the that. bitterness <laughs> in this room? <laughs>
2: it's, it's, it's pungent. <laughs> I like it.
0: <laughs> oh my! Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I hadn't heard that from from you guys. Um,
1: thoughts? Hmm. Yeah,
0: I like it um i definitely like it i guess i probably like our listeners um would like to know more maybe about that because i know for sure we have listeners in here who are on city councils i know for sure we have mayors i know yeah. that we have uh people who are actively engaged main street folks um what what are some other ideas because half the time at least what I've found in, you know, most in my, my personal citizen life and then also in the consulting spectrum is the person who asks the question and continues to come to the table and say, hey, how about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? Mm-hmm. Like, they're the one. It's, at some point, you're like, yeah, I, I, it, it makes perfect sense to do this, and yeah. it makes perfect logical sense not to do that. You know what we were thinking about doing. So, what are what are some other? I mean, give some examples. I guess if if you have them, if I've caught you off guard, we can move along. But
2: no, I mean, in th- one of the examples I saw and I was part of at the regional council was, for example, a lot of communities took some of those CARES Act funds and created small business assistance funds, for lack of a better word, in their communities. So, hmm. the city of Marietta did this. Washington County did this. So. Um, you you say hey businesses you can will provide you with up to whatever the number is I think it was three thousand dollars for the city of Marietta those mm-hmm. were CDBG funds the county said you could get up to fifteen thousand I think or maybe it's twenty thousand yeah. and said and it was kind of like you're saying Jared we they had to provide some paperwork to show the the impacts they had had because of COVID how long were they closed all that stuff and really give another boost to those smallest most vulnerable businesses in your community. So a lot of communities across the country did that. And quite honestly, we, you know, here locally, we did that in the fall. Most places in the country were were, were doing that immediately in April of last year, you know, April, May of last year. Um, So there was a lot of that. Um, The broadband broadband was a huge, was a huge one. I know that the state of Ohio um, identified some additional funds through cares to provide uh, additional funds to school districts to provide accessibility devices. So think MiFi's, tablets, that kind of stuff. Now okay. that doesn't solve your broadband problem. That doesn't give you broadband, no. but if at least if you have 4G or LTE or whatever, whatever G's you have at your house, you right. can at yeah. least have some additional service, but it's not solving, it's a band aid. So there was a lot of things like that as well that the state helped facilitate. So, you know, use this as a moment to, and I don't mean this in a fraudulent manner, but, you know, brush up on your creative writing. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything that in our daily lives has been impacted by COVID. And so to me, that makes almost everything eligible because I could illustrate an impact that COVID has had on you name it. It goes into my daily Mm -hmm. life. So exercise your creativity as you're going through. I mean, because, I mean, these might be once, this might be your once in a lifetime opportunity to resolve some of these challenges. Um, I'm not, again, I'm not saying do it fraudulently, but there are legitimate connections between the difficulties we've been facing and the opportunities that are there. It's up to you to kind of make the bridge. Yeah, And I think they want the, and when I say they, I mean, folks at the U.S. Treasury, folks at states, folks at state OMBs and all that, they want to help you. They want to work with you. They want to, they want to see these funds go to the highest and best use. And so, you know, they're willing to be as flexible as possible if you can come up with a legitimate reason. So. Yeah. Sharpen your pencils.
3: It's such a broad brush. I mean, it's just it, it gives you probably more flexibility than any other state or federal program would give you in terms of actually truly identifying your local issue given this pandemic. So that's really where the creative minds need to come out to figure out how to spend the money in a positive way that is gonna benefit more a lot of people more than just just more than just a waterline, you know, more than just a simple Fix. i mean with 10 million you could throw that a lot of different ways and the beauty is that you're not crunched for time so now it's the time to at least start thinking how long do we have to to use this fund
2: you have until the uh, december 31st 2024 yeah so also it's important to know that uh, communities will be getting this money in two pieces um one piece now in this 60 to 120 day timeline. 50% 50% of it then, 50% of it a year from now. And then they'll have it then from a year from now till the end of 2024 to expend the funds, which is really great. That, that's an awesome project performance period.
0: Are, are communities able to do um, planning, the stuff we do? Are they able to use this for, for planning efforts? Uh, and I'm not, you know, greasing our wheels here. I'm just asking a question for somebody in... uh small town Kansas, like can you use this for the things we talk about every, every day here on the show?
2: I would tie the planning around Mm -hmm. resilience to, as it relates to preventing a situation like this again and, Mm -hmm. or responding to a future situation. Yeah, And that could be anything that could be business resilience. That could be government Mm -hmm. service resilience. That could be, um, you know, educational contingency situations. So, I mean, I think tying your planning to resilience of what do we need to put in place here to survive and thrive if another pandemic happens in Mm -hmm. the future is where the planning would be. But yeah, I think that is totally in the wheelhouse of what we're talking about. So
0: I'm just running some quick numbers here. I have no idea if if this is legal. This is always fun. Oh, that's even better. Even better. (laughs) (laughs) Adam
2: is not here. (laughs) Adam
0: is not here. Um, but if i if i am a rural micropolitan community like ours and i would like to you know i don't just want to have the things that we talk about here every day you know just be able to use these funds now if i want to make a big like broad brush sweeping change in everything that we do right i need talent and i need Availability. Is there something that a community could do to say, you know, what I'm going to hire, to I'm going to hire an economic development director. We don't have that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying us here in Marietta, but like I'm, I'm yeah. saying in general, sure. like that yeah. community. Yes, we don't have the staff, so I'll, I'm going to literally hire a department, and let's say, uh, you know, that starts out at a two two folks making 75 grand a year. Yeah. Right? With 5 million bucks, I can employ them for 30 some odd years. Yeah. And not have to worry about it. Now, in order to do that, I need to go out and you know, prepay some other debt or take the items that are going to be a burden for the next whatever many years, right? So that I can plug in these this new personnel into my budget moving forward by way of doing that. I feel like that's a super transformative way for a small community to now be able to compensate the talented folks to go to these micropolitan communities. Because quite frankly, Mm. I I feel like places like Marietta came out smelling like a rose, honestly. It's a super charming place to live. It's a great place to raise a family. Mm. We didn't have, you know, people burning down buildings and other things like this that drove other folks out of certain communities, Mm -hmm. all right? it's small town USA came out of this fairly well. So getting folks to come to those style of communities, I don't think is that huge of an ask. It's just the, the compensation part. Can I see myself living here and making a living that I want to make? If you can check both those boxes and you can use this funding as a way to do that, and I don't know that you can, yeah. but I, that's something I would look into if I'm,
3: you know, mayor. I like that touch just because it's obviously you're kind of responding to, to the economic impact that was the pandemic. So how is you, how is a resilient city? Yeah. Here's one thing we learned. We got caught with
0: our pants down. We we can't do that again. Yeah. We've got to find a way to re reinvest in our community.
2: Yep. And I think that's Jared, that would be an example of make the argument, right. And tie it to resilience. and, And like Sam's saying, I mean, on a very strict definition, probably not. But I could make. I mean, there's a case to be made there. Yeah. And so, could for you fo- not pay for other things though? See, that was the sticky wicket. Yeah. sticky wicket. Sticky. The wicket. first time <laughs> was a lot of a lot of communities wanted to prepay many things. Yeah, and weren't able to do that. The with CARES Act, the even trickier wicket was if you bought something, for example, like. Everybody in the world wanted to buy a Chromebook. And it was, like, it was like the worldwide supply of Chromebooks was nil. It was like Wonka bars, <laughs> literally. And the challenge was you couldn't order a Chromebook and get it in February because the deadline was in December. So you could pay for it in October, but you had to have it in your hand by December. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so you couldn't just pay for it and say, well, we'll get it in June. Mm-hmm. And this is CARES Act. Yeah. This is under the CARES Act. And I know that was a heartache. That was a hard moment for a lot of, especially educational folks, because there was a desire to buy. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't buy a MiFi or an iPad or a Chromebook or, you know, or any of those things for a short while there last year. Yeah. Um, and so the prepaying was problematic. And I don't know. I haven't read closely enough into this to know if that's limited here or not. But I know it was an issue before. Yeah.
0: Well, I know in the CARES Act, and we actually had some legal counsel look into this from on a consulting side. Um, through the FAQs of the CARES Act, which right, wrong, or indifferent—that's mm-hmm. the way they—that's the way they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this—you know—could you take these funds? We don't have. Uh, did did we keep? Did we actually have police and fire operating during that time? Yep okay, well, we, they didn't allocate their time. You know, we didn't have them do that because you didn't know that was a thing then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you going to require that I provide all that documentation? And they're like, no. So you're able to take then your police and fire budget. And I'm paraphrasing, okay? Mm-hmm. But we did have legal counsel run through that, and they're like, yeah, absolutely. So I'd have no idea how the American Rescue Plan plays into that, and I would certainly... uh. Advise people to go ahead and and dig deep into that because if that's possible, right, and you're only getting seventy five percent of your total last pass budget or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, if you're able to come up with, if you're able to pay for your police and fire, if you're able to pay for those things, and there's not a whole bunch of documentation tied mm-hmm. to it, okay, and you're you're within your legal means, then all I'm talking about is. Money is fungible, okay? So you're, you're just moving these things around. Yeah. So that you can appropriate later on down the road the additional staff by because you don't have the burden now of X, Y, Z, okay? So beyond 2024, I'm able to pay for these things because I, I technically had a surplus in whatever. Yeah. That money was still spent, but it was spent on... Staff that yeah. I didn't have to bring in funds and use my existing dollars, with. yes so that's I don't For know
3: what I have here it looks like it follows the same pattern of cares mm-hmm in regards to essential workers and their salary support at least in pattern probably to that sense. I remember when we were going through that, there was the verbiage of like it, it's it's just deemed that they are essentially working on pandemic related things mm-hmm. while they're out. That's why the documentation was not as hefty on the requirement because, well, they're out making calls, more than likely, they're probably responding to people, you know, for COVID or that may have COVID symptoms, you know, so it's just assumed that's what they're doing every day, you mm-hmm. know, through that time. So as long as they I think stick with that regard and that verbiage of the of the Q and A kind of stuff or the fact sheet, yep. then would and that, said, you on know, the surface, it looks it looks like you can keep doing that. Yeah, and for
0: for the folks listening, um, you know, our legal inquiry into this was under a grand yeah. to have uh, a law firm review, you know, Sam, you did put it together, you know, so that it was uh, plain to see, like, and we posed the question, here's, you know, what we found out is you're not buying a police cruiser, right? Mm-hmm. That was a question. Yeah. Can you do that? No. No, we can't do that. But if you pay, if you use these funds to pay for the things you're allowed to use it for, then technically you do have a surplus. And with that surplus, you can do pretty much
2: whatever you want. Right, you're saving money in your general fund. Exactly. And then you can spend that general fund money on whatever it is you want to spend it bingo, on. Yeah. Right,
0: bingo. Yeah, bingo. So it's not, I don't want people to like come away from this thinking, oh my gosh, paying a lawyer, you know, they're mm. 200 some odd dollars an hour or whatever they are. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the case, but spend under a grand to figure out the best way to use five million, ten yes, million? Absolutely. I think I'd pony that up. I think you'd have a a local uh community mm-hmm. member say, uh, raise my hand. Yeah, I'll I'll pay for that. Yeah. So for whatever that's worth. All right. If I derailed this conversation. No, man. No. Okay. What else what else what? you got for us? Well, how do, how do you calculate? How does how does the community figure out how much they can actually get?
2: It's based on the CDBG allocation formula,
0: even if a, they're not an entitlement community. Yes,
2: so there are there are two formulas, and from memory, I don't know. I know there's an a for entitlement. There's an A and a B formula, yeah. and people listening don't don't at me. I don't, I don't have it in front of me going from memory, but it's like percentage of per, population in poverty. Per, um, Percentage that live in overcrowded housing, you know, there, there's, there, there's three factors for each formula that I'm forgetting. And basically based on that, that determines, um, how much each community will be eligible to receive through the rescue plan. Um, and entitlement communities, you know, they, for example, Marietta is the only entitlement community kind of nearby. They get it um in a little different fashion in Ohio. And yeah, and locally here in Ohio, yeah. 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 They'll get their funding in a little different way than all the other villages and other non-entitlement communities will. So, but it's it's important to know also listener, this is not just because it's using the CDBG formula in the CDBG allocation method. It is not CDBG funding. Yeah, very, You're not very limited by... Correct. Yeah. Very important to know that. It that is, is not CDBG funding. Is CDBG. It is not targeted at low to moderate income only like CDBG is. It's, it's using the mechanisms to distribute and allocate, but it is not beholden to the same rules and regulations as CDBG. Critical to know that. Yeah. And confusing. I mean, I think some folks, when they see it's coming down through the CDBG entitlement formula, Ooh. just assume that it's CDBG funding. Yeah. Nope. So this is not that. So important to know that.
3: There, are, I think it's two. We want to know. You want to know that there's obviously some other things like tax credits, uh, for child child tax credits, uh, earned income tax credits, um, in regards to the plan, just like all the other ones that have a little bit yep. of money targeted for, um, certain programs or agencies and departments within within federal sure. state, yep. world. So, but it's pretty exciting. I mean, I'm 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 excited for the next three years to see what communities do and see how it can be utilized and see kind of how they think. I
0: think this is a, this is a, this should be a hold my beer moment for the whole country. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really should be Yeah. Yeah. the amount of money. Um, I mean, you're basically getting, what would you do if you had two X of income come in? personally mm-hmm. and you didn't have to lift a finger for it to happen it just showed up yeah you would it's it's this is the the where the stewardship yep. stuff comes in and really commit some brain power and bandwidth to figuring out um how how to best utilize that and if you don't have the talent go find it doesn't have to be you know there should be somebody in every single community mm-hmm. that. That's on top of this stuff. Yeah. That that knows all the heartstring stories and, you know, well, we need a bike path. Or, you know, we you know, this is this is what we've been lacking for so long. And we we should have, you know, uh a revitalization project down by our, you know, whatever. That's yeah, yeah. Those stories are gonna happen all across America. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that this is because I'm I'm personally very excited locally. Just thinking about Washington county in general, how much knowing how much money is being dumped into to our neck of the woods is
2: pretty could substantial tr- could be transformative i mean yes. this could be this could be the next new deal I mean really I mean for these rural communities i mean it's like many things when you look at larger communities and see those numbers it's it will if you have hair like Sam it'll blow your hair back um but to Jared's point, I mean this is a a once-in-a-generation moment, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, And I feel excited about it because I think people are ready. I think we're ripe with opportunities, and I think, at least in our circles, I think we've been working hard on the things that we want and need and would benefit each other and are pretty clear on those things. And I don't know, I just think the time to get some of this stuff done is now. And and it's one of those moments, just for me personally, I just— never thought it would be here like this. So I'm, I'm just really excited to to be here for it. Yeah. Yep. All right. We got anything else uh, we want to add? I know we want to get
0: a bunch of this stuff. The show notes for this will have a lot of links. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then certainly if you got questions, yeah. ask us. I mean, that's why we're even, we're talking about
3: it. I think it's fruitful to do that. And also just see where all the money goes into the, into those different departments like federal and state departments just because if there are other things that your community is looking for you know if there's extended funds in a particular program sure. or grant opportunity for yeah. you like just that it opens up obviously it's now going to be still competitive but yes. you know if you've tried and you haven't had uh, success at a certain one now the money pool's bigger keep, yeah. keep trying and just keep putting that on your radar and keep planning ahead to where you know what you know what you're applying for and Just keep doing your thing.
2: That's such a great point, Sam. I'm glad you said that because I totally forgot. But I would be remiss to say we get so focused on what money is going to show up in the bank account of our communities. Right. Mm -hmm. We're we're talking about that. Yeah. To Sam's point, what we're not talking about is the fact that the Economic Development Administration has three billion extra dollars. (laughs) Yeah. That's not I mean, that's the truth. That's a fact. And, you know, the EDA, they do excellent economic development projects all over the country, you know, and we're in the Chicago region of the EDA. There were, there were years, you know, when there's tens of millions, they have $3 billion. I don't know how else to say it. And that is a huge moment and opportunity for us. So, yeah. So don't just focus on what's going to show up on your, on your ATM receipt. Yeah. All those programs that have competitive grant programs where you can write grants and stuff they're also going to have lots of additional funds for good projects. And if you've got good projects, compete, mm-hmm. you know, put it out there. Um, amazing opportunities for that. I'm glad you said that same because that, that's a whole another piece of it that I think that goes unnoticed.
3: Great point. Especially yeah. with the three year window of being able to do this sure. because, you know, wherever they fall in terms of their application window openings, you know, now, now's the time yep. to start. Does thinking.
0: that almost preclude large infrastructure projects then? Based on a pure like you gotta spend it by this moment in time. It no. almost feels like if you're gonna mm-hmm. use your money in conjunction with an economic development fund. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. has got to be a short term, you gotta turn this around in a couple of years. <laughs> it's it's so that you can stimulate. I, I totally get it. True. But it almost kind of precludes or is um steering people away. From doing a larger waterline sewer extension project or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I got a hot take. <gasps> oh, Ooh.
2: hot, 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 hot take. take. Let's hear it. Here's my hot take. S- this might be the best moment in the history of our country to be a contractor. <laughs> Think about it. And you're making this point, Jared. All these communities are going to have this money, they must do water, wastewater, or broadband. These grant programs that do infrastructure projects, they want to do that too. Mm-hmm. There are only so many companies out there that can lay pipe and finish iron and do carpentry and install le- electricity and do plumbing. And they're going to be jamming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I th- and, but I, the reason I'm bringing this up is... I think it is going to be difficult to expend this money by that time because we probably don't have enough contractors to do the amount of work that we're fixing to do, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's going to be exciting. But I think it's it's obviously that that's a huge opportunity for them too. So yeah. that's my hot take is if, if you're a contractor or you want to be a contractor, this is probably the best time that there may have ever been yeah. to do that with the amount of construction that's probably about ready to jump off. And so ends Brett's hot take for the day.
0: I like it. All right. Um for the second time going twice. Anything else
3: we want to cover? I think I think we can't go much into, into it since we don't know obviously what it's gonna be like. It's just it's new. It's it's we're rolling into it. So I think just all the good stuff there and, and educate yourself and ask the questions, get a lawyer, you know. I mean, do do your do your due diligence and let us know too if you're having any trouble understanding anything, and I guess we'll we'll help the best way we can. Yep. Yes.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it. If you enjoyed this, uh, shoot us a five-star review. Uh, We enjoy those. We don't like one-star. You can keep those to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you got questions, hit us up, support at mytownhustle.com. Look at the show notes. We'll have those up, and uh, there'll be a lot of links in there. And uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly
2: appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening.